This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, how would you like to be forced to hand over your computer to the cops if uh, they were looking for something? Canada's police chiefs want a new law that would force people to hand over their electronic passwords with a judge's consent. The Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police has passed a resolution calling for the legal measure to unlock digital evidence they say criminals increasingly are using encryption to hide illicit activities. And there's nothing currently in Canadian law that would compel someone to provide a password to police during an investigation. Well, I am here with Ross McLean, a former police officer and a security expert. So, Ross, the question, I guess, for you and for everyone, is this just a matter of the law catching up with technology or is this opening the door to a really egregious invasion of our privacy? I think it's actually both, Libby. I I think it is opening the door uh, to invasion of privacy. I think it is the police trying to catch up uh, to where technology is today. And if nothing else, this is at least going to start the discussion because it's one that we need to have, but it is a discussion that's fraught with perils. Okay. So what do you think the perils are? I mean, there's always the argument, if you have nothing to hide, what's the problem? Well, probably the first issue that's going to come up for people, certainly for lawyers and civil rights people, is this is the police compelling you essentially to give evidence against yourself. And since the beginning of our laws and our time, you've always had the right to remain silent. You don't have to answer a single questions the police have. You don't have to say a word when you're in court. They can't compel you to do anything. And what this would do is this would compel you to have to reveal the password to your devices or the password or the encryption key to uh, any digital information you may have that's encrypted. Okay. So, and that is the equivalent of incriminating yourself. Uh, that's what the civil liberties people will say. And I, I quite frankly can't say that I disagree with that. Okay. Uh, so that is on the con side, but on the other, you know, if the bad guys are getting away with all kinds of things uh, just because they have access to encryption, isn't that a bad thing? I mean, you know, how are, how are we supposed to get ahead of that? Yeah, it's actually a horrific thing. As we talked about before on your show with Aaron Driver, the, the, you know, the terrorist who was just killed down in Strathroy by the RCMP, uh, they knew that he was in talks with people involved with ISIS they, who had planned attacks before. They knew it. They, they knew who he was talking to. They didn't know what he was talking about, though, because the communications were through an encrypted program. So they didn't know what they were talking about. So had the police had the key to that, maybe uh, Aaron Driver would be in jail and alive today rather than uh, dead. But um, we got that information from the FBI. So did they have the keys to encryption? How were they able to get something that we 
No, they were able to get the unencrypted information. They were able to see the uh, the video that he put out, his martyrdom video, and they were able to see who he was talking to, but once, but not the content of the conversation. You know, and there's a lot of talk about that. Police wanted to have access without having a judge's warrant to be able to see all of somebody's browsing history or what they did online without necessarily looking at the details, but. That tells you a lot of information, as you know. If I'm talking to so-and-so, they know who I'm talking to, who my lawyer is, maybe who my pharmacist, you know, they'll know a lot about me just by looking at that information. So the police are asking for a power here that is going to be very, very wide-ranging. I mean, once I get into someone's uh, digital footprint, I can, I can walk around their whole, their whole life. That's uh, interesting. So uh, we want to know what our listeners think. The numbers to call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We are all ears here. What do you think? Is Is it a good idea to allow police to compel people to hand over their passwords when they are conducting an investigation? Is it just a tool that police need? To keep up with technology, or is it uh, opening the door a slippery slope? We want to hear from you. I'm here with security expert Ross McLean. Now, Ross, you were saying that you think one of the potential problems is that if they're already going through our email or whatever, our digital footprint, they can find all kinds of things. Uh, Give us an example of that. Yeah, certainly. They, they can find all kinds of things. I mean, uh, there may be people who decide that they have uh, intimate photos that they have on their phone or in their place that, you know, is there. It may be somebody having a communication, uh, talking with their lawyer or accountant about how they're framing their money and how that works for how they're doing it. Uh, you can find all sorts of things. Uh, I mean, look, at we see how embarrassing it is when certain information can be released. We've seen it with the hacks into Hillary Clinton's email server. We're seeing it with the hacks into uh, George Soros and the things that he's done and the Democratic National Committee. All of a sudden, you know, your words, if they get out, can be put out there. Now, the police aren't hackers, but look, if the police come in and search your phone or your server and they get information and it goes before the courts for something, it now becomes public information. Same as we saw with the Rob Ford video that was put, that was released. That was before the courts, never, never actually came up in court because there was a, a peace bond to settle it, but because it was public, it was released and it went out and it set off a media firestorm. So you cannot get convicted of something, uh, Libby. But your information could go out and it could become hugely embarrassing to your reputation or your career. And uh, presumably, if, if the police are looking for one thing and they go through my email and they, they find, maybe they find something else that they weren't looking for, how would that work? Well, how it works in the physical world, for instance, like a police officer has a right, they get a warrant to go in and search, um, uh, search a home and they're looking for a... Uh, uh, let's say a big server. They're looking for a server. They're going in there to see as a server. They go in the door, and as they walk through the house, they see that the uh, in the bedroom there's a desk drawer that's just slightly ajar. And they look inside there, and they can see what looks like a gun in there. They open it up, and they take the gun out. Hey, this is an illegal gun. You're not allowed to bring that gun into evidence because the courts are going to say you had no right to look in that drawer in the first place. You couldn't imagine there was a big computer server in there, so you couldn't look in there. So lots of times when police have warrants, and they do seize uh, information, and they see other things, it won't be allowed at trial. It'll be disallowed at trial for convicting someone. 
But, you know, the issue is how do we know how that works? How do, how's that going forward? Well, exactly. Well, I mean, wouldn't there be the same restriction for information, digital information, that if they're looking, if, if they're looking for, uh, I don't know, if, if they're looking for some tax violation and they find a drug violation, they can't use that? Well, we don't know that, though, because actually some of the new legislation that was brought in, which is, once again, these are brought in for good purposes, but they can be misused. When the laws changed, the terror laws came in, they allowed uh, police and financial institutions, banks and tax people all to share records and look at each other's records. Before they couldn't do that. There was basically a wall there. You're not allowed to look and share. But like you say, I come in to uh, uh, look at you for a crime of doing something and I find, uh, oh, here's your account where you have a job on the side where you... You made, you know, $50,000 last year doing some work and you didn't report the income. Well, I'll just send that off to Revenue Canada and they can have a look at it and deal with you. And you're like, well, yeah. So it's really opening a door that we need to uh, be a little bit more clear on what they're allowed to look at, what they're allowed to use, and how does, does it get public or not? Can it get public? Okay, let's go to the phones. We've got Dorothy in Toronto. Hi, Dorothy. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Um, good. I'm a little concerned about this, so I would do you I want to ask first Mr. McLean and yourself, do you think it's a good idea? Ross, why don't you answer that? Uh, you know, I'll tell you, it's all going to be in how, how the rules are written and the oversight is there. Because I, I, quite frankly, think on the civil liberty side, it's dangerous. Now, on the police side, I'm going to say that they absolutely need the tools. If they're going after terrorists, if they're going after child pornographers, if they're going after people who are committing massive uh, uh, frauds, taking money from people and things like that, you want, you want the police to be able to have that. But the question is, is it going to be controlled enough? And how can it be controlled? Because I think the one thing that we have found about the digital world is that it's really not that easily subject to controls. Well, this is the thing. And we saw certainly with Hillary Clinton when her emails got hacked, the information on her. We saw that even though the FBI stopped the trail there, there is the the emails that she sent to someone, right? Sidney Blumenthal, the other person she sent them to. But they could have, if they wanted to, continued to follow that trail for wherever else it went. So if I'm looking at a bad guy, I mean, look, the police already do this. If they bust a drug dealer, so they pop him and they got his phone, they'll look at who his customers are on there and they'll call him up or they'll text him and say, come over, there's a sale on uh, meth or whatever. And when they show up, they bust them. So the police already do, you know, some work Isn't like that. Isn't that entrapment? No, no, it's not. Not if you're calling. And once again, that would be something that would be argued in court. They actually did have that argued in court one time with the police. They, they busted a couple of guys who were breaking into a store. Uh, some of them got away. They caught the one guy and they grabbed his phone. They looked on the phone. They saw his text to so-and-so. Cops are here. Run. Whatever that sort of thing. They were able to go over and arrest the other people. They fought in court, the defense saying, police weren't allowed to search that phone. That's a, that's a vice. They can't go in there. They needed a warrant. They shouldn't have done it. Went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, you know what? No, it's okay if the police are making an arrest, and they're right in the middle of it, and it's right there, and the phone's not password protected. They can go through it. So they gave a bit of an opening, but they didn't really put the limits on it, even at the Supreme Court. So that's going to be the question. Where are the limits on this? Yeah, Dorothy, what do you think? Well, I just wanted to say this. I think absolutely the police should be able to do that. They can't serve and protect us and do their job. If, if, something, if someone has something to hide on the Internet, of course they're not going to want that. But I think definitely the police and the RCMP should have, be able to have people's emails. And, I mean, with this Facebook, 
Uh, the, the Internet is a good thing in many ways, but that Facebook, the way they gossip and ruin people's lives, I wish they'd get rid of that. But as far as the police being able to get in and find out, absolutely. I 100% pray for that to happen so they can protect us much more than they do because people can afford lawyers, and the lawyers, after all the hard work the police do, lawyers get them off. I think she's, uh, you know, one thing she's right about, I think there's a huge constituency out there that do support the police having these powers for all the reasons she said. Thank you. We just need, we just need to have, uh, on the other end of it, the more you know about it, is the controls, because it can, be, it can be so dangerous what gets out and what happens, and it can exceed, actually, the criminal charges against somebody. Well, exactly. Okay, Dorothy, thanks so much for oh, your call. you're very welcome, Libby. Thanks for having this uh, policeman security person on. Okay. Get, get more of them on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Thanks Thank a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Um, we have a, about a minute or so before the break, and I think this also underscores something that I keep saying about online communication, legal online communication, but I would also apply to illegal. People don't think about what they're writing in a text or an email. And I mean, I, uh, I, especially if something is annoying me, I always take a deep breath and don't hit send because these things can get forwarded on. You don't know where these things can end up. They can and end up anywhere. It can end up anywhere. And so so I think that people in general just have a certain attitude to online communications that maybe they didn't have when you were, you know, writing a formal letter in, in, in your own hand or, or even – in a phone conversation, and a phone conversation, you know, unless somebody's recording it, is 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 much harder to track than than an email or a text. I guess Snapchat erases right away, but but you know, people, you've got, you've got to think twice. There, there was a country star, Blake Shelton, I think his name is. He's he's all around now. Someone went through his Twitter when before he was famous in two thousand and nine, and they found him saying a couple of things that were kind of on the edge. And now he's being called a racist and a homophobe, and it's blowing up his uh, his career right now. And they're trying to deal with that. So yeah, it can if something gets out, it can have consequences. Okay, let's take one more call before we take a break. We've got Paul in Woodstock. Hi, Paul. Hello, Libby. Nice to hear from you. Interesting topic today. Yep. Uh, boy, but it's a tough one. We, we want to protect our freedoms and stuff, but we also want to protect our families. We enjoy a great deal of freedom in this country. And I have to go along with the police on this one, although there does have to be some very strict rules in place. But the way the world is today, the way information comes in from overseas, the way they steal from everybody, uh, I, I think it's another form of protection for us in the whole. Like you say, if you don't want somebody to read it, don't put it there. Yeah, and you know, the issue here is, is well, the police need a legal way to be able to do this because they have Correct. to be able to introduce it in court and it has to be legal. But let me tell you, I was talking to a few security experts the other night. If hackers want to get in it, into you, that they've got a very easy ways of hacking in through your router, through a phishing email or something, and they can get in and get all this information anyways off of you, but it can't be used for court. So, you know, that's one of the issues. So what the police are saying is just give us the chance to do this. I mean, hackers can get in and get it, and if the police wanted to be able to hack, 
they could hack and go in and get it too, but they're not allowed to do that. They have to do it legally. So that's what they're asking for, a way to legally do this. Uh-huh. And I guess, um, you know, just a, a thought. We're going to have to take a break in a second, but th- this might be giving more power or more responsibility to judges who then have to decide uh, which of this information is okay to introduce in court and which isn't. Yeah, you're going to need subject matter expert judges who are technically savvy. And I'm going to have to tell you, you probably don't have a whole lot of those. <laughs> just another thing. Okay, Paul, thank you very much for your call. Okay, just one last thing. Uh, rules, rules are in place. It's, it's not just that they can walk in and say, I want to see that. There has to be a reason, and I think most people would understand that. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah, right. I agree. Yep. Okay, Paul, thanks a lot. Have a great day, and I do enjoy your show. Thank you very much. Okay, bye now. Bye-bye. Okay, we've got to take a quick break. Before we go, the numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And I will be back with security expert Ross McLean talking about the cops' demand to have access to your passwords if they think they need it. Back after this. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zuma Radio. Welcome back. I am here with security expert Ross McLean. We are talking about a resolution, a demand from Canada's police chiefs that they be allowed to get access to your passwords, to have access to your computers with a judge's consent if they think they need it for an investigation. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. I'm getting the feeling that most of us agree that this is a tool that police need, but the downside is how do you keep it within bounds? How do you make sure that this does not get abused and that it opens a slippery slope to, uh, you know, finding our private lives uh, in the public domain? Uh, one of the theories uh, about this is that investigators, because of encryption, can't read or interpret data even after it is lawfully seized. Ross, is that true? It is true in many cases. There's different levels of encryption, some that can be cracked and uh, some that can't be cracked. And the U.S. does a pretty big job of trying to make sure that the really heavy-duty encryption is not available to uh, bad players and that there's restrictions on where it can be sent and where it can be used. Okay. And those are, uh, is it a long list of it's a, countries? that you- It's a pretty long list. It's, you know, Iran, uh, Romania, all these, Russia, they don't want to send off the heavy encryption so that they can then have it to use themselves. You know, on, on the other end for this, I should point out, remember when we had the G20 here and the wall was put around downtown Toronto? They put in a law that said that's the same as going into a courthouse. If you walk anywhere within 20 feet of that wall, they could seize and take anything you have and look at it. Well, they did that to one person who was walking by. He had a laptop and they said, we're going to take your laptop, give us the password, open it. We're seizing it. You're here. We can do it. And the guy said, there's no way you're not going to do it. Why? Because that guy was one of the top intellectual uh, property lawyers, and he had work in there for Microsoft, where he had on all of their marketing agreements, proprietary information about how some of their business worked, all sorts of things. And he said, there is no way you're getting into this. So these are the sort of issues that we're going to come up against. Yeah. And um, so the numbers again, 416-360-0740, toll free, one 740 uh, And uh, the question is, again, should we give the police these powers and how do we control them? 
Yeah, the oversight is very important. You know, something I'll point out, I mean, there are devices that the police have uh, with with smartphones, many of the models. They can just take and plug them into your smartphone, and within 20 minutes, they'll crack your phone and take everything off of it and look at it. They, they have those down in the States. Some police forces use them. Others don't. You know, and I'll point out, Libby, there was a time now also, if people aren't aware of it, the National Security Agency, which is the big spy agency down in the U.S., they got hacked. And uh, some hackers <laughs> took a bu- that. some hackers took a bunch of their tools that they used to hack into people's computers. So if you have information on your computer, you have to be so careful these days. I mean, you, maybe you'll hope it's the police and not the bad guys who uh, get it and put it out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, what is the upshot of all of this? Uh, I I don't know that we have any read on. Uh, what the government thinks of this. Well, they're supposedly having consultations now. They're going to talk about it. They want to hear from people. I would just advise people uh, when I was talking to one hacker the other day, if you have a computer, make sure you've updated your browser. That's the easiest way to hack in. If you've got an old update on your browser, make sure you have strong passwords and uh, have a paid-for antivirus uh, privacy thing on there. Otherwise, it's going to be very easy for people to get into your systems. Mm-hmm. And again, how do we how do we control this police power? I think we're I think we're going to have to get there. I think we're going to need a a very well thought out oversight body that will have rules that will say what they can find, what they do find, if what they do find, if it can ever be made public, or if you can request that it remain sealed, uh, just so that it doesn't go uh, too far once the police get in, because it's a never-ending chain. If they can get in, go through your email, that leads to someone else, they go into their computer, that leads to someone else, and on and on it can go. So I think we're going to have to have some real talks about this, Libby. Okay, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of where the government might stand on it, because the government, um, I mean, on terror, it's not clear how tough they are. Well, I don't think they're very tough on terror, but it's also normally pretty clear that the uh, the government's like when they can look at everybody's information whenever they want and someone has it. There was, uh, you know, a guy in charge of the FBI for a long, long time who had files on everybody and information on everybody. So when he came to want to move them around or tell them... Uh, hey, you better do this or don't follow the line. Uh, there's, there's even stories that uh, he went up to Kennedy when he was elected president and said, oh, by the way, here's a file we have. These are all pictures of you doing things, but we'll make sure they never get out. We got them <laughs> off the guy that did it. And so it's a way of controlling people if you have the information. So I think we need to be watching uh, the watchers on this one, Liddy. I, I think that's always uh, a good plan. Uh, let's talk to Stan in Brantford. Hi, Stan. <clears throat> We're listening. Hi. Yes, yes, I've been listening to your comments. Uh, just um, a brief comment in regards to the terrorists in Stratford. I, I know uh, your moderator there said that uh, the terrorists might still be alive if we had access. I looked a little further. I mean, I would hate if we didn't arrest them and he killed many people. And, and, and that's my greatest fear is that... And ours uh, too. Pardon? Yes, and and our and, greatest fears too. Yeah, and uh, but I also agree that they could go too far. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure the lawyers... Uh, can come up with some type of formula or some type of uh, procedure where they only access certain information or have, you know, are only able to use certain information because uh, the criminal activity is uh, in the modern age and the police need to be there too. So I appreciate the opportunity to say so. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Stan. 
Okay. Uh, we're going to have to uh, wrap things up here because we're about to switch gears. I think it's pretty clear that most of our listeners uh, agree that the police should have the power, but we've got to keep it in check. Many thanks to Ross McLean, former police officer and security expert. Thank you, as always, for your input. Thanks very much. And for the, uh, the callers as well, that's great input to see that they have that much faith in the police and them having that power. That's great. Okay, excellent. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.